Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's say you, Richard Ellick Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them. Okay? And the whole point is to have this not fall in the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. Welcome to Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch's Murders, Money, and Mystery. I'm Ann Emerson, and I'm joined by our exclusive legal analyst and former South Carolina Attorney General Charlie Condon and our executive producer, Drew Tripp. All three of us had an opportunity to watch this stage get set Mm -hmm. for the evidentiary hearing, what we've also been calling the retrial hearing for the double murder case of Alec Murdoch. As we go towards this evidentiary hearing, it certainly feels like the retired Supreme Court Justice from South Carolina, Gene Toll, had some very decisive moments in this, what was a conference status hearing to tell us exactly what needed to happen. So I'm just gonna throw it right there and say, what happened? What do we think this is gonna mean? for the retrial hearing. I think stage is set is a good analogy. And I thought the stage that she set was, all right, defense, you sit over there. You're not gonna be able to do much. And prosecution, you sit over there and you're not gonna be able to do much, which will benefit you greatly. And let me handle things, meaning we're gonna bring these jurors in one by one. I'm gonna ask the questions, not you. And the standard's gonna be, for lack of a better description, under the Green case. Don't go this Cameron case. We're gonna follow Green. And you've got to show, number one, that there was jury tampering, and secondly, did any tampering affect the actual jury verdict from the mouth of the jurors? They have to tell me that for it to make a difference. That's what I heard. Yeah, and it's getting into those cases a little bit for the uh, for the context there, if you've if you're just sort of catching up or you haven't caught our previous episodes or you weren't watching along, uh, the case that Alec Murdoch's defense lawyers were attempting to make based on other case law that Judge Justice told decided she would not apply was essentially that they needed not show bias, actual bias. They needed not to show actual bias. They wanted the case standard to be the mere fact that Colleton County Clerk of Court Becky Hill said anything out of the way or anything extraneous, anything that she should not have said or was not under her purview as the jury manager, as the clerk of court to say. They wanted that in and of itself. That right there is jury tampering. That's the standard. 
And mm -hmm. if we can prove that she said it, then we've got a new trial. Mm -hmm. uh, and not only that, they wanted to shift the burden of proof off of the, the, themselves as the ones making the accusation the, of the jury tampering. They wanted to shift the burden to the state and say, actually, it's not. we don't even have to prove it. You have to prove that she didn't. And that was quite extraordinary. Uh, it was a, a much, much lower bar, I feel like. Was it not, Charlie? Yeah, I, I, that's, why, that's why if you read the, uh, the briefs of both parties, the, the defense went in, at great lengths as to saying this Cameron standard applies, which would mean for them, I think they feel pretty comfortable that they can prove that there were some untoward remarks by Becky Hill to at least one of the jurors, if not several. So I think they felt like, okay, if we're going to prove that, we, we probably cannot prove that it would have changed the verdict. But if we can get this standard to be this, this lesser standard, we've got a good case here. It can get overturned because we feel confident in our proof. And I must say, just uh, having, having read uh, the cases, I'm certainly not as much as the party ha have, have read, but, you know, this Cameron, what I thought was kind of interesting to me just as a lawyer here in South Carolina, Justice told, former Chief Justice of the South Carolina Supreme Court, here she is as trial judge. Mm -hmm. I, that's really unusual to begin with. So she's used to, to making decisions at a very, very high level. Mm -hmm. I just sort of like what she said, well, that Cameron case is a court of appeals case, meaning it's from the lower court, so mm -hmm. I'm not going to give it it. She just dismissed it outright, mm -hmm. and it had been my understanding, or is my understanding, that a court of appeals case does have some does have precedent, which calls presidential value, unless it's overturned by the South Carolina Supreme Court. But I was sort of amused by that sort of offhand comment she made. Court of appeals case, I'm not going to apply that one. And I mean that is that's probably the biggest takeaway for me was that when we got in there, this was all day long, Justice Toll's courtroom. She walked in, she laid it out, she had already thought about, she gave it as like four major points that she was gonna be hitting in this. She wanted to look at the legal standards, she wanted to look at whether or not this was an evidentiary hearing in the first place. Mm -hmm. She wanted to look at whether or not they come in at a timely, mm -hmm. at a timely point for the defense. Did they even do it within the amount of time they were allowed to, to say, hey, we think the clerk uh, was jury tampering, you know, whether or not that even came mm -hmm. in at the right time. And, you know, hitting point after point saying this is what this is going to be about. And what was the fourth point? What they were going to ask the jurors. Well, exactly. So the, the so in the, the question for the jurors, so when Justice Toll walked in there, she was ready to tell us what this retrial hearing is going to look like. And it was so different. Wasn't it? I mean, even from like, you know, the, the armchair quarterbacks out there that were trying to say, well, this is what it's going to be like. You know, this could go on for a long time. You know, all this. It's not what it and, feels and, like. And I also remember when she admonished Attorney Hart Putling about don't say it again, the, his, his claim that, some, that one of the, I guess, deputy clerks could say of Becky Hill that she told this 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 would be witness that this is all about book sales. That's why I want to, you know, that that wasn't the motivation for for the jury tampering. And she admonished him, which I thought was telling. Don't say that again. Meaning, we're not turning this into, I guess, for lack of a better word, a circus or go down different paths. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very narrow. And he she also very expressly said, we're going to limit the ability of you to to say anything negative about Clark Hill. We're not going to go down these different so-called rabbit holes. I, mean, she, I think she even said, this is not a trial on Miss Hill. Mm -hmm. 
this and in and very clear this is not about impeaching and that's exactly what the defense wanted to do isn't it it is and they were just really shut down on that and that uh that was a very strong position uh from from the bench there and she i just kept hearing over and over limitations 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 so i think it may be well it's maybe possible that the hearing that we might have a day maybe day and a half We'll see what happens. Well, she did call for the jurors to be there the first day on Monday, January 29th, and to have uh, Becky Hill there the first day. Mm -hmm. So let's get into like, what did she, what was she saying about the jurors? Like, what are we going to hear? I mean, we thought that there was going to be just this, I don't know, like this idea that it was just go for it. Like, what do you want to ask the jurors? Yeah, no, <laughs> you know? yeah, no, yeah, no, that. But that's not happening. Yeah, the, the defense and the state can't cross-examine, right? As I understand it, she's going to do the questioning. And I suspect the question is going to be very limited, as in these different cases that have been cited, which anything improper happen? Yes or no? And if no, end of questioning. And if yes, you know what? And then go through that. And then if, if, if did it affect your verdict? And I, I can't imagine maybe this might happen. This is the Murdoch case, after all. But one of these jurors, I can't imagine one of these jurors saying, oh, yes, this affected my, my, my verdict. And if it hadn't happened, I would have voted not guilty. I, that'd be a bombshell. Yeah. Uh, I, I a few times have used the analogy uh, kind of in, in jest, joking a little bit here. But it really felt like if we're, if we're, if we're analogizing the courtroom to a boxing ring or a heavyweight fight or just a school or just a schoolyard Gene Toll beat up the defense and took their lunch money I mean because everything they threw at the, everything they threw out there she parried it she blocked it and she punched right back and said no it's not happening that way and the effect there almost Charlie it comes it, it comes to a point now where she has turned the tables on them to create a standard of, by the case law she's, she's going to be applying, the standard of proof is now something that they weren't even arguing. Yeah, I think what might happen, too, given right. the rigidity of the rulings, I think the defense might make a real run of asking her to reconsider. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think they've got arguments to be made from the existing case law that she just went too far. So it wouldn't surprise me that we'll see some sort of brief before the hearing or some sort of, can we argue for a half an hour? And that'll be an interesting uh, development if it in fact happens, which I think may well occur. Just because it, under the existing standard right now, I don't know what they can do to get a new trial. It did have to have a, two jurors are unaccounted for. We have talked. Oh, yeah. I so, mean, and then she, she ruled out, like, well, no, 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 we're not going to hear from anybody that wasn't deliberating in mm -hmm. right. this trial. No, no egg lady. Right. No egg lady, the mm -hmm. juror that got dismissed in the 11th hour. Mm -hmm. No alternates. And, mm -hmm. and egg lady was important. Yeah, she, right. She said, well, you would know all about the details on that, but she segued into a lot of positive, potentially, for, for defendant Murdoch. Right. And, and just to back, back step two steps on the point I was making about something the defense there the standard is now something that that the defense wasn't even arguing. We have to go on the to build also on Anne's point of who's going to get called and who will be able to testify. What they weren't arguing is that necessarily Becky Hill's jury tampering 
impacted the outcome of the, the verdict. Because the, the only affidavit that, that the defense produced of the one juror, juror 630, mm -hmm. she, go, she says she makes some accusations that are damaging to the behavior, to the alleged behavior behind closed doors of Clark Hill. Uh, she's saying that she made some comments she should, absolutely should not have made about speaking to the, the merits of what was happening out there or the procedure of what was happening on this witness stand, saying pay close attention to Murdoch, watch his body language, don't be fooled by him, um, those sorts of things. But in that juror's affidavit, we've been over this uh, several times, we've covered this, she does not say that her verdict was ultimately the result of any outside or undue pressure. Right. It was specifically related to her deliberations and quote unquote pressure from the other jurors, which is acceptable, which is par for the course. There's gonna be pressure in a jury room. Charlie, you've told us that before. That then leads into, okay, if they're not specifically arguing this, if Murdoch's team is not specifically arguing that the, that the quote-unquote tampering led to a different verdict or, or a tainted verdict. It's just that the tampering in and of itself is the right. standard for retrial. Right. If, then what are they arguing? So that leads into Ann's point about, okay, who can we call, and who can we call to testify now? W one of the key cogs in all that was uh, an alternate, well, not an alternate juror. She was a sitting juror, juror 785, the quote-unquote egg lady. She was one of the main... Her her testimony, her um, sworn affidavits, they were it was the cent, it was the center of a lot of what the defense was arguing, right. trying to impeach Becky Hill, impeach, attack her character, mm -hmm. to put her under a microscope, to put her on mm -hmm. trial, mm -hmm. to make to make it about her. And right. look at all the I I had this juror who was removed. Any questions about her credibility aside, and her track record, she's saying all these things. And we should be able to explore all these things that she says Becky did wrong. Um, without now, it, with the standards they're going to apply, she's not. She may. She may. I think the judge told Justice Toll left a small sliver of a window uh, open there, yeah. uh, where they might, re where she might reconsider and potentially allow for the calling of Juror Seven Eighty Five if the if the fact-finding, if the discussion, if all that leads, opens that door, they might be able to call her, but for the, mm -hmm. for the most part, we will not hear from anybody except the 12 jurors who ultimately cast their votes for a guilty verdict on March 2nd. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Well, and I know, because you think about all the paper that's been flying in this case. I mean, it's motion after motion after motion. A lot of um, trees. We, yeah, a lot of trees have been, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And so for the justice told to come back again and say, I still don't feel like you have given us enough to tell us why we need to hear from the egg lady mm -hmm. or from a juror is pretty harsh. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we were in the room, you could just feel the the. Oh, how yeah. they just deflated oh, right in front of us. Yes. And, My you know, word. we've seen a lot of Alec Murdoch 
lately, I feel like, in all of these sentencing, and he keeps on coming out to be in every single mm -hmm. hearing, everything. This, by far, I, I think every, I don't even think this is speculative. He was down. He, you could see That's a good point. Yeah, his body language, yeah, I was right behind him. You're right, his body language was quite different than I've ever seen. He was deflated. Deflated. I mean, it just, he had his head down. I think he took some pictures and we're, you know, or using the, the, the pool pictures showing kind of hand in the head, you know, really uh, taking this on mm -hmm. because we have to remember like this was the big deal. I'll go ahead and I'll say I did anything. The financials, I'm going to plead guilty to everything, but I, you know, he's just maintained his innocence this mm -hmm. whole time. Right. And it looks like he may not get what he wanted. Right, and that was the that was the clear implication of his movements, his mannerisms, sitting there at the defense table. You could uh, you could just see again to use the fight analogy, to use the, the the boxing analogy. He was throwing his figurative punches, and they weren't working. Yeah. And, and we all know that feeling, right, Charlie? Like you, right. you, you're doing your best. You you you've come up with a, a strategy. You've come up with a plan, and. I can apply that to my own professional life in just the last few years. Like just uh, having something work and then it doesn't work anymore. And you're coming up with all these, uh, what what can I do? What can I do? I, I'll try this. And you're throwing stuff at the wall and it's just not landing. And it, it's, that, it's that rubbing the eyebrows, stroking the beard, hands on your face, all these things that he was doing, looking down at the ground. It's like, what else can I do? And, and you're seeing that in a human emotion on display and whether you, it, it's just so telling Expressive. and it's, yes, and it's, it's so beneficial to see it in real time happen. Whether you believe Alec Murdoch is worthwhile or trustworthy or believable whatsoever, this is a person, this is a human being whose future is now tied to this. And he, in the, in that moment, we're watching him see it all come crashing down around him. Well, I thought it was very ironic. I think ironic's the right word because, um, you know, the whole point of the defense bringing this up was watch his body language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, oh, wow. You know I what I mean? About, uh, it is, was, ironic the is the right word, exactly the right word. And that's exactly what we're doing now yeah. and we're watching him and we just watched him just go straight down the hill. But, you know, even if, even if this looks like it's going to be a tough road, what are the chances of this retrial hearing, is, is there any room for Murdoch's defense to go forward unless justice totally well, considers? I'm sure his, my understanding would be that he gets a negative ruling here. It's not immediately appealable. It's just another issue on appeal. So I, I, do, I do think to your point about how he's deflated is there were a lot of things going his way pre-Justice Toll ruling because mm -hmm. you had the Becky Hill negativity going on. Oh my gosh. The, I mean, it was incredible, right? Uh, I, who, the who, the wow. hits just kept on coming yeah, for this her. woman. So I'm sure yeah. he's in his jail cell there, wherever he is. And wow, I've got something going here. Look at this manna from heaven, so to speak. Uh, and speaking of Becky Hill, one thing I thought was really interesting uh, during that hearing, of course, her criminal defense lawyer was there, Will Lewis. Mm -hmm. And as I understand it, Correct me if I'm wrong, but he would not commit to her testifying or not. 
it was may or may not take the Fifth Amendment. There was a little interchange there or, or talk with the court. That was certainly there. something that they were talking about quite a bit, was yeah. whether or not Becky Hill was going to take the Fifth. Mm -hmm. And what mm -hmm. did that mean? And right. and now, it, but maybe she, she there, doesn't have to. I was, but weren't you a bit fascinated by the, it's obvious Justice Toll wants her there. Right. And limiting all the testimony she talked about, she did not limit her being a witness, Clerk Hill. Isn't that what I heard? Yeah. And so I thought, I thought there's a little method to that madness because if you think about the procedure, I think we're going to see when this happens is the jurors come out, they're questioned one by one, then they sit in the jury box and probably will ask as a group, I don't know. That process could take as little as a couple of hours, mm -hmm. really. But then, I'm a, to me at that point, case over or hearing over with because if there's not one juror saying it affected their verdict. But I had the distinct feeling from Justice uh, Toll that she was going to make Clerk Hill make a decision on testifying or not and wanted to hear from her because I'm assuming she's anticipating at least one juror is going to say there was a bad comment made or improper mm -hmm. conduct. So I think she wants to hear from, from Clerk Hill her position on that. But did when does that happen in the retrial hearing? Is that like understood? Did you understand like what that was? Like does, in other words, does Clark Hill get to hear exactly what the jurors are saying? And then does she get to say after that, nah, I'm not gonna testify, I think we're She good. would be, I don't, well, that's not a good question. Cause you know, you can have, and this is one thing I noticed that the defense of the state didn't ask for in the murder trial. Typically, that's just been my experience in prosecuting these cases and, of course, being on the defense side now, that you really want to what's called sequester witnesses. You know, get them so that that didn't happen in the, in the main case. It no. wasn't discussed really by Justice Toll or anybody for this, for this, for this, re, for this rehearing uh, motion hearing, uh, retrial motion hearing. But she did seem to talk about the jurors coming out one by one, having them in the back. I thought I heard her say that. So I just envisioned them not hearing each other what they've got to say but then being questioned by her. But I just had the distinct impression, maybe I'm wrong about this, but that she wanted to set it up so that, and maybe it's more of an administration of justice sort of uh, position she's having, but she does want to hear from the clerk on mm -hmm. um, whether or not this happened or not, whether or not it affects Justice Toll's decision on the motion for a new trial. She just wants to hear from her. I thought I kept hearing that from her. Right, and, and I think that that's a perfect opportunity to segue into, okay, we we spent uh, several minutes now talking about how everything went wrong for Alec Murdoch, mm -hmm. but in essence, he's now he's now traveling on a instead of a four lane highway, he's on a two track road uh, somewhere with a very narrow path that he can mm -hmm. follow. It, the door's not shut, the road's not closed. It's just. He's got no room for, he's got no room really for, uh, no play, no leeway. Um, so that would look at the question, okay, what, what happens, what is going to, what would have to happen for things to go right for Murdoch in this, in these new parameters, in this, these new, this new sketch of what, what the, how the things are going to proceed, what, what's the, What's it going to look like if that happens? What what has to happen for we radically change course here and we're, and come Tuesday of next week we're talking about or Tuesday in two weeks time? Uh, Can you believe that happens? We're talking <laughs> about okay now he is going to he he might actually get the retrial hearing. Right. What has to happen for that to happen? 
Well, I think the one juror that's uh, in play relative to pressure, maybe she goes an extra step and says that it did affect her verdict with the comments of Clerk I think that's would be a bombshell. Are but you, I mean, what does that mean for her? To be, she already gave an affidavit. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a challenge there because she gave an affidavit, didn't she? Saying, so I don't think that's going to happen whatsoever. I'm just anticipating Murdoch bombshells. But there are two jurors, right, that no one's heard from whatsoever? Well, uh, they keep on saying that SLED had the opportunity mm -hmm. to interview 10 out of the 12. Mm -hmm. Right. So that does, <laughs> even my math could get there. <laughs> yeah. But one is there the anybody remaining, else talk to him? Uh, one of the remaining ones was juror 630, the one who talked to the defense. Uh, so 11, uh, 11 of the 12 have been interviewed, but only 10 of those were by the states, uh, by the state and uh, sled state I police. See. And one was by Murdoch's I team. See. So, so that, there's one left that hasn't talked to anybody. Uh, it would appear that way. Um, so. Well, and, you know, the other thing that I was watching, too, was with Dick Harputlian and Justice Toll. And, you know, we talked about this a month ago or maybe even longer, that he had brought her up to, to play a special role at one point to keep an eye on the evidence and stuff. You know, it's so interesting because this is like um, just this is politics, you know, in the in the world of Colombia. Um, you know, what what how people know each other and that. Really, I mean, they're kind of of the same generation as well, Harputlian and Justice Toll. It must have, I definitely saw some friction there that was interesting. You know, I, I, need, I probably should bring this up. This may be too much inside baseball. Right. But the, the someone, um, I didn't have a memory of this, but I think it's accurate information, that Justice Toll faced an opponent in her reelection for Chief Justice. And it was another respected jurist by the name of Costas Baconis. Mm -hmm. And what I had been informed, I'd forgotten this, but that attorney Harputlian led the charge for Justice Toll's then opponent. Oh, so, okay. So, a little inside baseball. I'm, I, I'm assuming this information I got is correct. Karma. Came from a very reliable <laughs> you know, source. And I, again, one thing I will say, it's very easy to impugn people's motives and to say it's because sure. of this or that. I have the highest respect for Justice Toll. I don't think it would impact her in any way whatsoever, so I almost uh, probably shouldn't have even mentioned it. But it is interesting, isn't it? Because it is sure. we have a small state, and particularly you get smaller in the legal community, and you keep bumping into people. I know when I go to court every on one of these Murdoch cases, it always amazes me, well, gosh, I have this relationship with that person, and you have... You know, I have a bit of history, but I will say just from an integrity standpoint, I, I have utmost respect for Justice Toll, and she's the person of, of the highest integrity, so, so I'm confident it hasn't impacted her view of this case. It's funny to me that um, where we were about a month ago when, <laughs> when, this was, when it was announced that she's, that she's going to be the new presiding judge and we're all digging back through their, their history and we find the fact that you know, early on in the actual case, Dick Harpootlin himself was, why don't we get Justice Toll to oversee this instead? Right. And right. boy, if, if, we're, if we're reading into the conspiracies and the, the, the backroom deals, that sure didn't go Dick's way. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was not, that was not the outcome he was hoping for. But then, again, it felt like he also was very, he was very subdued. And this is, again, commenting on the, less on the, less on the actual factual stuff and more on the, the feel, the, the, the essence in the room, the, the, that sort of stuff. Right. Dick's, Dick's demeanor 
I mean, he was very focused and uh, direct as he usually is, but he was not, he did not come off nearly as forceful uh, to me. Uh, he, he, he knew, he knew mom meant business and he wasn't about to use that. He knew mom meant business and he knew what he could get away with that day. And he wasn't about to push the, uh, push the envelope. No, but I think also, don't you think that a lot of that um, showed up right after she, she shot down their Cameron argument when yeah, right they, away, right from, from yeah, right at the top. First I think it was 20 minutes or so. Yeah, it was like one of the first major decisions yeah, she, she made. She said, I'm going to apply South Carolina jurisprudence. Well, and this is the jurisprudence that I understand it to be. And, and, you know, to that point, like she goes to this legal standard. She tells us about what's going to happen with the jurors and what's going to be questioned, that sort of thing. There were two other major points she had, one of which was, should we even be having a retrial hearing? Right. So, and that was the, the argument all along for the state. And, and she kept on saying she was going to circle back to that or right. that we would get back to that. But that point never really yeah, resonated. Yeah, it never landed. It kind of went to the procedure for the evidentiary hearing. Oh, nor did the whole idea of whether or not their, their revelations were timely that jurors mm -hmm. had been tampered with, mm -hmm. uh, which my, my gut said this, and I hope I'm not speculating again, but my gut said this means that this isn't going well for the defense. Yeah. Like, if the legal standard isn't there, then what do we have? Yeah, this may be too much information, but I was really attuned to that, and I was right there, and hear me out on this. Uh, that was broached by Creighton Waters, and he said that Attorney Harputlian told him that we became aware of these allegations before the jurors were represented. And then Creighton Waters said, well, the jurors are represented just days after the verdict. So ergo, you must have heard about it within a couple of days, and you therefore didn't make this motion timely. So then the, the back and forth went, Attorney Harputlian represented to the court that as soon as we got this information, we made a timely motion. And then later on, Justice Toll said, I'm not going to have attorneys and judges, Judge Newman, testifying. Right. So I, and then... Creighton Waters did say the, that he accepted a representation of the defense and, and, in effect, sort of didn't really like drop it per se legally, but just sort of quit talking about it. So I think it's a dead issue. Yeah, so I guess that's, that's where it landed. And then they, um, we, we did get a chance for the lawyers. So the jurors, as this was all going down, the egg ladies represented. Um, some of the jurors who are going to get called uh, to well, all of the jurors getting called. So some of those jurors are represented by well-known faces in the Murdoch saga, uh, as far as lawyers go. Right, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because because the, <laughs> the jurors. World. Wouldn't this be a fair statement? The jurors that are that are possibly very helpful to the defense are represented by an attorney that. You'd have to say is is friendly to the, to the defense, defense yes. <laughs> so, and then and, and then the other ones that, so, yeah. that want to uh, perhaps be more or are they want to sustain the verdict? They're they're represented by attorneys favorable to to the prosecution, and it's just it never ends, doesn't it? This this case has yeah. everything. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill patio sunset hard to get better than that unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
and, and so I guess the big thing was, and this kind of surprised, mm -hmm. I don't know if it surprised, nothing surprises me they in the Murdoch story, no. but the fact that Justice Toll was adamant that this was going to be an open court. That oh, we yeah, well, no, actually, I was, little, I was a little surprised by that, and I, and I know what you're saying, probably too strong a word, surprised, but, you know, the the... If you look at all the filings and everything, there seemed to be a general agreement that in camera, meaning in chambers, was fine with the jurors. And she got out there right away and said, we're not doing it that way. Open Why court. Not? Well, I think she is correct that most cases do it in open court. That is true. Okay. Uh, and, and Although it's not unheard of to do it in chambers. I think uh, one of the attorneys mentioned that. But I do think given the nature of this case and the national, international scrutiny, I think she's right about making sure that it's out there so everyone can see that, that no one has any sort of thoughts that something untoward is happening. Well, couldn't you see honest. it go the other way too? I mean, just to play devil's advocate for a minute, couldn't you see that, that peer pressure of what, you're going to be the juror that stands up and says, oh yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't totally that's sure about Murdoch. That's a, well, that, that's, that's a, well, you're right about that. I mean, they're obviously going to be I mean, I was thinking about the juror. They're they're in Colleton County, mm -hmm. your 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 home county, and they're driving up, perhaps in a sled car, yeah. going to this uh, so major hearing. What pressure! And oh. uh, to walk out there, that they're not going to be unaware of what's going on here. Uh, and so, are they going to say anything that triggers a new trial for a person they've convicted of these horrible crimes? It is difficult to imagine that they would, right? But yeah. also, the, the one man standing, yeah, right, the one but, woman standing. Mm -hmm. But you got. I, I do think again. I do think they're going to tell the truth. I think that that's yeah. it. And so it does appear that there's going to be some evidence of of jury tampering, which is not good. Let's, oh. And we can talk about that in a minute. It, any way you look at this, this development is really unfortunate. It's just not good. Yeah. Well, for anything, for the yeah. way we have our court systems, I mean, you can look at the big, the big picture, and then you look at Becky Hill's life. I mean, this is, all this has come up. I mean, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. Dick Carpotlian said it. He was like, I, you know, what was the motivation here? You know, he was really trying to say allegedly that her motive was these book sales, book sales. and that's why all of this was happening. All of this. And when I say all, mm -hmm. I mean all the other things we've talked about on the podcast. That still bothers. And I, that, just to recap, in case you, uh, Charlie mentioned it earlier, but uh, just to, in case you weren't watching or hadn't heard this, one of the big, I guess you could call it a bombshell from a, a newsworthiness standpoint is, uh, attorney Harputlian for Murdoch got up in front of the court on Tuesday and said that he has just recently learned through an interview with uh, the clerk of court from Barnwell County. Uh, it's, a, it's about an hour away from Colleton County. It's close to uh, Aiken, Augusta, that area, if you're trying to place it on a map in your head um, over near the Georgia state line. Uh, very small rural county. Uh, Barnwell, their clerk of court, um, Mrs. McElveen was her name. She came over and assisted Becky as uh, just worked with her, basically worked, uh, helped her manage the trial during uh, the Murdoch murder trial, as did, the, I believe, the Buford and Hampton County uh, clerks. Melinda from Melinda Nettles from Hampton came to work. Well, Dick said uh, essentially that uh, the, Mrs. McElveen from uh, the Barnwell clerk, she told them that Becky specifically said to her that 
a guilty verdict would be good for the sales of the book she was planning to write, and this would have happened during the trial. Now, that in itself is very telling and damaging, and I can see exactly why, based on the standard that they were trying to go off of, uh, that's why Dick and Jim and Murdoch's team wanted that in, wanted to be able to get, and he, again, mentioned it twice. He was, he was doing that very deliberately for, all the cam for the cameras in the room and for all the journalists' right. ears in the room. He wanted to make sure that got out there, assuming that the, that went his way. Um, of course, Judge Toll shut him down a little bit, but it's still to me, I, I just, and I commented on this when the, when the first motions for uh, the first filings from Murdoch's team came out about the, and that, that one was written by Jim Griffin originally, the, the insinuation that Becky's motive was for there to be a guilty verdict because that would somehow help the book. And I just, I think that logically that just is, that just is really, really thin. Uh, uh, now, it, it, whether it was Becky's logic or not, um, or whether that's the defense's logic, I, but this is the most publicized, analyzed to death, like look at the, saying this fully aware of what I, where I'm sitting right now, who I'm talking to and what we've been doing for the last year. Um, <laughs> and for, for me, just specifically this, the four people in this room right now, Sam behind the camera, uh, he was there with us, uh, at the trial, but even before that covering it uh, all through 2022 and half of 2021, fully aware of uh, that, uh, who, me saying that, but nobody needed a guilty verdict to sell a book on this thing. And, and sure, maybe it would have helped improve sales. I just think that's such a, a thin logical conclusion, like a thinly or weakly supported logical conclusion. Ultimately, I don't think it matters. I, that just irritates me a little bit. Is if like you're trying to have an, just ha trying to have an argument with me about this. I was like, eh, I don't, I don't buy that. Um, well, I think the reason it bothers me is because it was an Amazon sale. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like they were just selling it on Amazon. It wasn't. I guess that could have taken off and been some, you know, unbelievable book sales. But it, a self-publishing deal on Amazon to me is not the same as like going out. And, and do it, having a huge imprint um, handling it. So, yeah, so I can see what you're saying, too. It does feel a little bit thin. But who knows if that was actually Clark Hill's logic at the time. <laughs> if it was, yeah. uh, it, it, we've still got, uh, regardless of what happens here, we've, we've learned in the, in the meantime, going back to last week, before we had this hearing, uh, we've gotten it confirmed from SLED that there are, in fact, two open investigations uh, regarding Becky Hill. One of those is the jury tampering itself. Um, and I, I think whether or not there is a new trial, and Charlie, maybe you can address this, if it's hashed out and uh, determined in that courtroom that she had improper jury contact as a elected public official, does she face consequences well, for that? That was another, I think, comment that was made that I hadn't heard before where Attorney Hart-Putlin said that would be a crime. Remember mm -hmm. catching that? Yeah. And, she, and, and so he's in the midst of arguing things, but I do think there, there could be a risk of, of, a, of a crime called misconduct in public office that yeah. could, could apply. So that's why, hence, the fifth, I think the, the claiming of the Fifth Amendment or not during the um, motion hearing, evidentiary hearing is going to be interesting. 
So is there a way for these indict, if, if there were going to be indictments from a, a state grand jury on Becky Hill, if they do move forward with these investigations, and we've, we, we, I think we have learned now to be careful. Oh, SLED right, investigates right. everything. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, they hear something, right. they're going to investigate yeah, 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 exactly. it, especially when it's this public. But let's say, let's take it to, like, if we start seeing any kind of indictments coming out of this, how would that affect this retrial hearing if they were happening, let's say, next week? What if that's our bombshell? I wouldn't imagine they would do it that yeah, quickly. Maybe. And also, I think, they, I think they would certainly wait to see what the sworn testimony, because they have these, there weren't affidavits from most of the jurors, right, the state got. They were just simply statements, weren't they? Like, did, did you do this? Did this happen? Yeah, what I, think, I think they want to wait. I, th I would definitely wait to see how they testify under oath in an open courtroom before making any, Toll. with Justice Toll asking questions and just see where that is. And to me, what might be really important on this is, was it just an offhand comment that you regret making, or was it more deliberate? And to me, we, you know, we all make mistakes. Now, having said that, I mean, sh she is the elected clerk of court for a county, not like somebody who comes in part-time and a lot of great bailiffs we have. And so you would think that anyone would be really, really careful about that, especially the elected clerk of court. Well, and just to drill into that a little bit more, did you guys pick up on the fact that she was very interested in knowing when this uh, alleged contact happened as well? Like, and, I, and I took that as where in that six-week period mm -hmm. was there an issue? Was mm -hmm. this, I mean, we know that there was this opportunity after Creighton Waters was speaking, saying similar words, but was it three weeks later? Was it one day later? Yeah, that, that would go. That would go too. to perhaps towards intent and yeah. just how, how how one would view all that. So there, from from a newsworthy standpoint, there's certainly going to be news at this evidentiary hearing, no question. We're going to have first hand. These jurors will be their their privacy will be maintained, but to just to see them testify as to what actually happened, I think that's going to be something potentially. And they are not going to allow their faces right. or their or their names or, or anything like that. You know, they're, they're trying very hard to protect these jurors, but it will be difficult now. Well, as the defense pointed out, several have been on today's show and mm -hmm. other shows, um, so, they're, so those would be public figures. But if I'm the juror that mm -hmm. found this defendant guilty of these horrible crimes and I've not sought the publicity in any way whatsoever, I can really see how they would be off-put a little bit by what's happening here. They've yeah. got to go to Columbia, take a day off from work, or their duties, whatever they have to do, and then well, at least, be questioned right? by, yeah, what's that? At least a day. Yeah, and you're going to be in this courtroom with all these juror, with all these media folks there. I, I, can, I, can, I feel for them. Nobody wants this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know it's it's difficult, isn't it, yeah, to yeah, see yeah, what they're going to, but it does look like one thing is that she does seem to think that the media is going to be, it felt very similar. It was a little bit of Groundhog Day while we were in there, even for this, for this status conference hearing. Right. Once these ground rules got set up, she made it very clear that this was going to be transparent, but that she was very much in control. So anything else? To like keep an eye out when this retrial hearing starts, we probably won't be talking again until, well, I always say that, and then something happens. Right, but right. Well, we've got some time before the actual hearing itself, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's some motions made or some filings or some other developments that we weren't thinking of. But absent that, I think the news to be made on this is going to be this 
we, we, you know, we're all sort of thinking we know the result of this, mm -hmm. which usually means you're going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. All right. Well, we will be covering this on air, online, absolutely everywhere. Um, please reach out to us if you have questions. You can reach us on Twitter and through our Facebook pages and certainly through abcnews4.com as well. But we will be handling this retrial hearing very much in the same fashion that we handled this trial and we will be joining you then. So until then, till January 29th, uh, we will see you later for Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch's Murders, Money and Mystery. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.